0: and iShine founder, solo parenting expert, and all-around foodie, Mr. Robert Beeson. Join us each week as we explore and engage with some of the most intriguing, inspiring, outrageous, and awesome parents in the world. This is Brilliantly Brave.
1: Hi, and welcome to Brilliantly Brave Parenting. I'm Pastor Brad, your host, along with the amazing sidekick, Mr. Robert Beeson. That's what I am now, the yes. amazing sidekick. Amazing sidekick. <laughs> yeah. Uh, like okay. no other Okay, oh, thanks. Two Batman. It's not a Robin. So, <laughs> you know what? What I want to introduce our audience to is uh, an interview that we were able to do with uh, author and pastor Robert Noland, and the uh, the conversation went so well in the studio that we decided to do a second part. And so, if you haven't heard the first part of this interview with Robert Nolan, I encourage you to go back a week, uh, listen to this. Um, and it'll make a lot more sense. If you don't have time for that, you can dive in and catch up with us later. But we want to really get back to the topics at hand. Robert Noland is a author of over 75 books. He's based out of Nashville, Tennessee. He's been a pastor. He has raised two kids uh, through adulthood, two sons. And uh, we work with Robert in our day jobs, if you will, at IShine. Uh, we have collaborated on a couple of curriculums. And so it's, a, it's through those experiences that we have a, uh, a friendship, with Robert. He's not just an expert or someone that we interview. This is someone that we live around and and with. And so the validity of what he's saying is contextualized by the authenticity of his faith. And Those are
2: some big words, Brad. Let I me know. Just kind of let me just bring that he's down to He's the real mind. deal. That's the thing. I mean, there are experts that you see their books or you see them on TV and you want to have them in the studio because you want to talk to them because they're experts. And then they go home, and you don't know. I'm not saying anything bad about them, but you just don't know their life. But we have had the opportunity to get to know Robert, especially me. Uh, Robert was uh, is the writer with me on the book uh, that I'm working on, Solo Parenting. So I've gotten to know him really well. And then now we've done a couple projects at I Shine. Uh, well, we're starting our second one, and um, the Before Thirteen things that we're doing. We're doing a lot of things. So we've had a chance to see Robert and his family up close. And like you said, it's the real deal. I think that sounds better than the contextual authentication of the whatever. Well, for doctor. our audience
1: who don't know. Um, He's
2: uh, a doctor, and he analyzes things like that. That's what happens.
1: There's a reason we're sidekicks. It's because um, we're the odd couple of Christian podcasting. There you go. So there but you enough go. about us. Yeah. So uh, we had just been talking with Robert Nolan about the – The significance of doubt and the processing of doubt uh, of our kids, especially the preteen and teenaged child who is working through their faith, they're working through the culture, they're trying to understand what is it they're going to believe, what are they going to reject. And the parent, especially the parent who's a leader in the church, a pastor or someone who's a lay leader of some kind, they have that pressure to get it right to be the exemplary illustration of christ to the church you know and that pressure is unbelievable uh within the context of the christian faith and so we just really discussed and unpacked the idea of how doubt is a healthy process Mm -hmm. for all of us to go through
2: yeah i love what he said about that just the analogy of of the release valve and um you'll have to go back and listen to the first part of this interview to get that but uh, but it's worth doing because I think it's it's a key um, component to parenting in a post-Christian era. I agree, and it's it's so significant
1: and so important that we're lingering here for a part two. And you know, one of the things, Robert uh, Nolan. Now I want to introduce you to this audience in part two. Tell them just tell them a little bit about where you are on the journey. What you know, where you are in in parenting.
3: Well, um, I have a 26 year old and a 22 year old, and so um, you're you're still you're still dad and mom, but you have far less input into the decisions. <laughs> so it's more about just uh, being available. Uh, I think that's a I think that's a huge part of developing your kids into adults is number one knowing that you're available no matter what. And two, I think the thing that my wife and I have really come to understand since our guys have been in adulthood is um, the power of prayer. You know, when they're when they're running around and the house is a mess and they're they're kicking and screaming and there's diapers needs to be changed, it's uh, really hard to find a few minutes to pray other than grabbing your your hair and looking up at the sky and yelling, "Help, God!" You know. Yeah. But as they get older and they're not in the home as much. Uh, and they're out or whatever you have a real opportunity in that quiet and silence to begin to really learn how to pray for them and I Obviously, I'm saying you're always going to pray for them throughout their life But there's something about as they get older and as they get, begin to move into being less dependent on you that you can really start to learn uh, how to pray for your child and Start doing what you got to do, which is turn them over to the Lord, because they are gonna make decisions you don't agree with. They are gonna say things you don't like. They are gonna they're gonna make decisions that you wouldn't make. That's but that's you know God created them to be their own person. You have to allow for that, and you have to say, well, they're not little me's. They're them. Mm-hmm. You know, and and I'm just I'm just I don't want them to be me. I want them to be Jesus as much as they possibly can. Just like I'm working for it. And one of the things we've learned as well in that whole thing is okay, that is not how we would do it. That is not how we would say it. But there wasn't anything wrong with it. It wasn't bad. It's just, it's them filtering it the way they would filter it. So I think the expectations have to change as well mm. of, of as they become into adults is, is let them be them uh, as long as it filters through the biblical paradigm you desired for them to have.
1: Yeah, I, I love the uh, perspective that you lend to our audience, the the looking back a little bit, mm-hmm. uh, looking at these preteen and teen years, where frankly most of the crisis of parenting emerges. Sure, you know, that absolutely, sixth, seventh, eighth grade, mm-hmm. your your kid is getting attitude, mm-hmm. and uh,
3: because they're starting to challenge the dependence.
1: Absolutely. And that's a norm. We know, sort of, uh, you know, intellectually that Mm -hmm. this is good and healthy for a child to begin to form their own identity. But Mm -hmm. in the real world, it's Mm -hmm. a pain in the butt. Yeah. Because suddenly now every little thing Mm -hmm. is a battle.
3: Mm -hmm. Sure. Um,
1: And so, one of the the topics that we had kicked around uh, in our pre uh, recording session, you, you really brought up this concept of understanding really. Where your kid's at versus where you think or hope they're at.
3: Yeah. yeah. Can
1: you elaborate on that a little bit?
3: Sure. Well, um, you know I, i've yet to meet a parent particularly of a of a baby to a 2 to 3 year old that didn't think their child was the most perfect most beautiful child on the planet and you know what i think that's a great way to think i think that's that's a powerful way to think i think that we, you know somehow we don't understand this but god looks at each one of us like that like wow i made him or her and they're incredible and they're beautiful and that's a great concept for us to understand so that's really passed on from god's attitude toward us mm. is is for us to look at our child and think that way here's the problem when they start school and the parent and the teacher excuse me the teacher Calls and or emails and says, uh, "Hey, little Johnny was really acting up today." And you start thinking, "Well, no, they're that perfect little beautiful child that I raised. So that is not possible. So you must be wrong." Um, certainly, there are going to be situations where your child is is uh, is being falsely accused or whatever. But I've learned that ninety five percent of the time, little Johnny really is <laughs> acting up and needs attention. And so, as they get older and as these things come, sure, you've got to hear them out. Sure, you got to listen. Sure, you got to get all the facts about something. But that that has to change from, I love them, they are perfect to me, but you've got to get into reality of what is happening with your child. Because what can happen is, out of this uh, blind love, we can actually miss huge flaws that our children are developing, because we don't want to claim that they're imperfect, because then that makes us look imperfect. And we don't yeah. want to do that. Yeah, I- I want to jump in here just a little bit. I know
1: Robert and I—we've worked together now, going on eight years. Mm. We've we've sort of raised our kids together, yeah. You know, sure. um, and and I think there's there's been a healthy discussion uh, between uh, Robert Beeson and myself about am I missing something? <laughs> yeah, exactly. yeah, have you ever mm. had that discussion sure. with oh, someone? Yeah. Sure. I think that's so healthy. I think um, the the admitting the humility of parenthood is very important, mm-hmm. uh, to include some other people in the process. Absolutely. Uh, Robert, yeah, and it's kind yeah.
2: of countercultural because culturally it seems like there are the model parents out there or they are perceived to be model parents. Mm-hmm. And so we met, I think this is an overall post-Christian issue that, that, a cultural issue, that we are measuring ourselves constantly by what media is saying, yep. even by sometimes what the church is saying, yep. healthy parents are. And so, at that point, we don't even want to admit that, man, I've got a son that's dealing with X, or I've got a daughter that's off the rails over here, because it doesn't feel like we have a safe place to do that. And so, I, I do agree that the community, surrounding yourself with people that are godly, that are are able to shoulder the questions that we have is is critical, and I've appreciated that about being in this setting with you, Brad. Is that you can go, man, I just completely freaking blew it, or I I don't know what's going on with my daughter, like what <laughs> yeah. the heck? And I've had the same conversations with Robert Nolan about mm-hmm. my kids, and and I I find great comfort in that and and wisdom because it's not really about trying to fix our kids. I mean, that's God working through us the transformation is going to happen but a lot of times i feel like we feel the weight of it is up to us to fix our kids and to correct them and i'm not saying that we don't correct in a disciplinary kind of way but you know like fix them it's not really our job yeah
3: yeah, well, we didn't make we we had to do what they're making, but we didn't literally make them, and so God knows them, and that's how He knows how to fix it. Uh, let me just interject this really quick, based on what you just said, Robert. Is I just want to challenge you if you're out there listening to this, whatever age your children are, whether they're two and you're you're in a play group, or they're or you're a mom and going to school, or you're a dad in the soccer team, whatever. If you're in a circle of parents where the parents are constantly trying to say. Well, did your kid do this? Well, my kid did this. And there's this kind of one-upmanship going on. I would challenge you to find a new set of friends. Because that is not reality. If you're in a situation where your kids are little trophies that you're mm. constantly trying to use to compare to how great your life is, especially social media, which is the worst, yep. um, is it's time to get some new friends. Or if you don't forsake those, then go get some other ones who are in reality who will say, hey, would you pray for my kid He's having a problem? Let me pray for you. A supportive, uh, uh, not, a, not a defensive
2: mode. And I would I would add to that, because I think that's incredibly important, is to surround yourself with the right group, is that we know for a fact that everybody across the board is dealing with a lot of these same issues. Absolutely. They may cloud it and they may pretend that we've got the perfect little son or daughter, but inside they are scared to death too. Sure. Am I messing my kid up? Am I doing the right things? So sometimes it's a good thing for a parent to take the first step. Yep. And find someone that you feel that there's some kind of they don't you it could be completely undiscussed. But maybe a good approach is to go to them and say, listen, would you mind, how would you feel about getting together you know, once a month? Because I got to be honest with you. I don't know that I'm doing all the right things in parenting. I could sure use mm-hmm. someone to bounce some ideas on. Yeah, I think, talking about release vowels in, in, mm-hmm. in the last episode, I think that that would kind of take some pressure off yeah. of even the person hearing that. And instead of like playing this, am I better than you? Am I doing this right or wrong? Coming in, in humility going, I don't know that I got this figured out. Can we just get together and talk? Because maybe you got it all worked out. I can either learn from you, or if you don't feel like you've got it all together, we can at least share. Yeah. The load.
1: Yeah. I think I think these are excellent observations, and and for our audience, just as a, as a reminder, we are broken, flawed parents, mm-hmm. all yep. of us, mm-hmm. and so we can't expect our kids to be perfect. Exactly. Um, you know there there is a there is an. Expectation, I think, that if we have faith in Christ mm-hmm. and we pray and we go to church and we do the right things, um, that there's an automatic here mm-hmm. that our kids will convert. Right. And I, I think we, we lose sight of the importance of the struggle, uh, not only for the child in determining what they're going to believe for themselves, mm-hmm. but also for our faith. To grow and mm-hmm. to learn how to trust God was something that we cannot control. Yeah, exactly. Um, one of the you know the things that we as parents run out of time for is prayer. Exactly. Uh, we we get through a day and sometimes it's all we can do to get to the pillow. Uh, <laughs> yeah. Let alone yeah. you know pause and pray for our kids. I know you have a passion for prayer, Robert tell our audience in the last few minutes that we have talk to them about the offensive defensive prayer yeah. that you shared with me earlier
3: yeah well first of all i need to confess that i think in the christian disciplines we have strengths and weaknesses and um and my wife and i fortunately in our gifts in our spiritual gifts and in our our spiritual qualities we are opposite and so where i may be strong she's weaker and then where she's strong i'm weaker and i can just tell you that um, because of raising a lot of factors, I won't go into here. Prayer was not a strength for me at all, but it is. It it was and is for my wife, and so I've had to learn from her. I've to be mm-hmm. challenged from her. I've had to understand that no, I don't need her to pray less. I need to figure out how to pray more like she does. And so, um, you know, as as we've gotten older, as we've our our, our guys have gotten older, that prayer has has increased and it's changed mm. and i think the sooner that that you and your spouse can carve out it doesn't matter if you start out for five minutes once a week just be consistent and say we're going to come together even if for a few minutes and if you can do it every day or, or more than that awesome but say we're going to pray for our children that's a huge thing that I wish I'd have gotten sooner hmm. than, I, than I did. And I think that once you do that, your strategy has to be twofold. One is um, we have to pray offensively and defensively. Now, I think that's a prayer strategy for all of us in, in all areas. We have to learn how to say, okay, God, here's the things that I'm asking for. Here's the things I want you to do. Here's the things that our desires for our children are, is voice those. Tell him what you want to see in your children. Tell him what you'd like for him to do offensively ask that. And then I think the other side is that if we've got to come to the reality, regardless of our spiritual paradigm, that there is an enemy who hates God, and he hates us as Christians, and he certainly hates these little Christians we're raising, and he wants to still kill and destroy them. So we have to pray defensively as well to say, God, protect my child. God, uh, whatever the enemy's plan is, would you thwart it? Would you throw down those weapons? Would you cancel their assignments? Would you stop? the enemy from hurting my children and so there's a you know you got to put your offense on the field to win and you got to get your defense on the field to win Mm. and both are very important aspects and so if you're going to pray for five minutes spend three on offense and two on defense pray for what you want god to do and then pray against what the enemy is trying to do in your children
2: Hmm. yeah i think that's awesome and i think i'm sorry brad i stepped on you there but but one of the key things that you said is doing this together yeah that's what you're saying like even if it's five minutes a week yeah make some time that you and your wife come together and, and pray.
3: Sure. Because what's going to happen if you don't pray? You're going to find yourself when problems arise, you're going to spend lots of times talking about it and sometimes arguing about it. Mm. But what if you spent five minutes praying about it?
2: Hmm. That's good. Yeah, I
1: I think there's a, there's a depth of, of wisdom in that uh, comment that we could go on for a long time. And there, obviously um, many, many great books written about prayer and parenting and really engaging with our kids in spiritual warfare. I know for myself uh, and with Robert Beeson that as I have engaged in ministry, uh, as I have stepped into pastoral ministry and, and worked with I Shine Ministries, that the more uh, significant the work that I'm involved with is the greater the attack on my family,
3: absolutely. Have you noticed that? Absolutely. Oh my yeah. goodness, yes. Yeah. 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 The more influence, the larger the target. That's the way the enemy works. He just wants to stop it. And you may say, "Well, I'm just a church member. I'm just, a, you know, I'm just. We just go to church on Sunday morning. Hey, it doesn't matter. If you, if your heart as a as a Christian mom or dad is to raise a Christian child." Guess what? You got a target on your back, too. You don't have to be a leader. I think
2: one of the things that you've shared with me, Robert, before is that, and we've talked a little bit about this ministry and and how you become a target, is that there are things in my life that I used to do that the enemy had a stronghold in my life that aren't really as much of a stronghold anymore. Right. And so if the enemy is not effective at getting me through those things, Mm -hmm. whether it be a behavior or a thought or some kind of uh, something I'm holding on to... The next thing he does is he goes to those that I love the most. Absolutely. And those are our kids. Absolutely. And so it's it's we might have a target because of things that we're doing for the Lord or or visions that we have for what God wants to do through us, but we've got to be aware that that the next line of attack is coming for our kids. If it's True. not if we feel like we're in a healthier place than we ever have been, we've got to be on defense. Yeah. with our kids,
3: especially in this culture. Right. Especially in this culture.
2: Yeah. Yeah, and I,
1: I think the those insights are incredibly helpful. The you know one of the strategies that I've experienced um, in the church is that our enemy seeks to separate and isolate. And mm-hmm. so as parents, we often will feel intimidated from sharing with those that we go to church with or mm-hmm. have a small group or life group with. Mm-hmm. And we sort of keep this stuff to ourselves. Mm-hmm. Um, so I would encourage our listeners, if you find yourself uh, agreeing or nodding your head as you're listening to us, to reconfirm your commitment to be engaged in your local church. Because the idea of having someone supporting you, someone that you know who can pray with you that can take that text message in the moment of great doubt or fear and say, hey, let's pray right now, uh, and your spouse and the women or the men in your life that you share your faith with. When you have a community of faith that stands together, I think that's the way God wired us mm-hmm. to parent. Yeah. Would you agree with that?
3: Yeah, Absolutely. Um, absolutely i mean we have to have help in every area of our life god is a community he's father son holy spirit so we're community as well if in the more we're in isolation the more more in trouble we usually are Mm. and so being in a community and being in a community of believers um, however you you come about that is is hugely important in every area of our life and parenting certainly right
1: well, I appreciate your time and it's been a wonderful two-part podcast that we've we've it's had with awesome. you Robert. Uh Thanks I know. For me. I, yeah, and I, I think you know maybe uh, next year or at the end of this season we'll probably revisit with you and and see what God's been doing in your life and and what new projects you're writing. Awesome. So, thank you. Thank you. Thanks for being here.
0: Parents, remember, even if you may not feel brilliant or brave, you are. For God gave us a spirit not of fear, but of power and love and self-control. And I am not ashamed, for I know whom I have believed. I am convinced that He is able to guard until that day what has been entrusted to me. 2 Timothy 1, 7 and 13 This podcast is a service of iShine Ministries and the Tween Gospel Alliance, all rights reserved. Donations to Brilliantly Brave are tax-deductible at iShineLive.com Review and subscribe to this podcast on SoundCloud, Stitcher, iTunes, or on our webpage, and read our blog and connect with us at wordpress at brilliantlybrave.com. Thanks for joining us for another episode of Brilliantly Brave.
1: What our kids believe is going to define them for a lifetime. According to George Barna, by the age of 13, what a kid believes is what he'll die believing. It is a fantastic resource that I have used as a pastor in my own home church, and I have been impressed. So, check it out. Check it out.